Hi everybody, this is Ken Krog, Daryl Alder with Eternal Core. We're talking today with Dave Pack, the Chief Scout Executive for Utah National Parks Council. And uh, all three of us go way back. In fact, uh, Daryl was the, was, was the number two guy at National Parks Council and their chief blogger. The day he retired, we grabbed him and now he's part of Eternal Core and our underlying organization called Mobilize. But we've had some interesting things happen. We just interviewed yesterday a man named Colin Karchner, who's one of the top speakers in the country on some of the challenges that are arising from technology, from social media, from, from mobile phones, smartphones, and from some of the newer forms of addictions that are coming around, video games and, and vaping. And he brought up, you know, the outdoors. And, and, we're, and we're not getting kids to where they feel like they uh, can unplug and, and get away, and, and so Tom Harrison, one of his core themes of Eternal Core is moving from the world back to the earth, and nobody does that better than, than the Boy Scouts of America, and so Dave Pack and I have been talking a lot about some of the new opportunities with the resource. Now, there's some, there's some change coming in the Boy Scouts. Dave, you want to talk about some of the ideas we've been having? This might be pretty interesting. So I, I think that the Boy Scouts of America it has a lot more opportunity than most people see on the surface. Yeah. Um, most people look to the Boy Scouts as a place where they can have achievement, learn some things in a, in a way that helps them kind of decide what hobbies they might like or what careers they might go into. Some of them become Eagle Scouts and, and have the opportunity to save a life at one point or another, but really at the core of the Boy Scouts of America, we're all about building character and citizenship, personal fitness, using the outdoors as a model to be able to do that. And we use a youth leadership model that is unparalleled to be able to do that. When it comes to addictions, when you apply those aims of scouting into the opportunity to be outdoors and practice them, you create a diversion that is unlike anything you're going to get at home yeah. in the life of a youth that needs some diversion in order to overcome and it's some fun. addiction. Yeah. But they have be. a blast. So, so you disguise it as a, as a, it's a game with a purpose. Yes. Beautiful. So, and Dave, so, let's, just, let's just take a new for example. So um, lots of people in our area think because the church is no, the LDS church is no longer sponsoring scouting, that resources are gone. Can you talk to us about BYU's partnership with us at our Moab High Adventure Base? Uh, yes, we uh, the, starting this summer, uh, we're the host of the Adventures for Youth program it's from so BYU. It's so exciting! So exciting! It's a parallel to especially for youth, but it's in the outdoors, where they get to do river running and mountain biking and and rock climbing and rappelling, slot canyoneering, all of those kind of things it's all, all in during Red the rock week. country, world class. I mean, yes. we've had units travel all the way from the UK to be at this camp. And here we are offering this to BYU. Now, my daughter's cooking there. So I know there's full food service for everyone <laughs> and that you're going to enjoy it. But this is a singular experience. I've worked there a couple of times over the years and I have just been astonished. For example, I wonder how many of you have ever thought to sit at the side of the delicate arch and watch the full moon rise. I've done it twice, and you can do it down there. 
or to walk across Gemini bridges with an 800-foot precipice drop all the way down the canyon. I, it's one of the most awe-inspiring things, and it always takes my breath away. Nice thing, Dave. I've never had a good cell phone connection there, which means they're going to be forced to disconnect, aren't they? <laughs> Man, that, that is true. It's, it's a little harder. Even though um, a lot of technology is getting further and further into the woods, um, it is a good thing for us to disconnect and be able to put ourselves in a position to do some different things, some difficult things, some scary things, some awe-inspiring things. All of those things get wrapped up into a high-quality outdoor experience. So I think we both share a real common um, love of the Beaverhead Venture Base. So I had the assignment to establish that base, first of all, in probably 1978, 79, and it's way different now, but when I stood on top of Mount Delano at 12,000 feet and looked out over 360 degrees in Utah, I was absolutely amazed to be standing there. And that was the edge of an ancient volcano. That camp property is at 9,000 feet. Tell us about how families, people can use this. I mean, just being there is a mental health boost to me. You get sunshine, you get fresh air, you get the chill of the night. You get the warmth of the day in the summer, wildflowers, wild strawberries, a million mice and voles. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of opportunity in all of our Boy Scout camps. We have 13 camps just in our council. There's about that many more in Utah. And as you Now go you're the largest council in the world, right? Yes. By a long shot. We are. Most councils have one, two, or three camps. We have 13. Wow. Most countries in the international scout movement would be lucky to have the resources that we have here in Utah. Wow. Uh, we're very blessed with diversity from high mountain uh, meadows and tall peaks to high desert opportunities. Uh, we have a camp out by Eagle Mountain. You can go out there. There's tarantulas and lizards and and All cactus and, wow. and one and of so, the world's best cold water fisheries at Schofield. What an amazing property. Now I have to, to tell you, because I don't think you know about this, Dave does because he's done it with his family, but you know the camps aren't busy all the time, though we've tried to change that over the years. My family has stayed at Camp Jeremiah Johnson in Hubble Creek Canyon in the summer and camped out. We've stayed over the winter Christmas holiday at Camp Maple Dell in deep snow. We've had our own family reunion on that beautiful porch at Typhi. We raised our kids at the Beaver High Adventure Base. And I just have to tell you that this, for me, goes way back to Dr. Smalley. He's a family uh, and marriage relations counselor who said, if you want to bring your family together, take them camping. Because invariably when you go camping, there'll be a crisis. And if you have to face the crisis as a family, you'll come back home. Your kids may not remember the zipline you rode, but they'll remember the bond you yes. established in solving the challenges. Now, now there's those camps are available, aren't they, for families still? That's part of the beauty of our, of our circumstances is, is we have a lot of capacity that goes unused. It's always bothered me that on the 4th of July, we're the only campground in the state <laughs> that isn't used that because everybody goes somewhere else. A traditional Boy Scout camp is still important into our operations, but it, 
is a small portion of what is available in our camps. And so family camping opportunities, group camping opportunities are abound in all of our facilities and uh, they're available any time of the year. Well, and let's talk about that because that's, that's where we're going. Excess capacity. Um, many of you might not know this, but uh, Utah is the home of some very interesting treatment centers and treatment strategies. Um, you may have heard of, of, of ranch uh, recovery centers. There's about 25 in the state of Utah. A lot of the residential treatment centers, uh, we just came from some in St. George. Because of the scenery, because of the location, and because of the people, this is a place where people come to heal, to recover from addictions. From to, all over the to world. To recover from trauma, yeah. And one of the most notable is what are called wilderness uh, treatment uh, systems, wilderness treatment solutions. And um, they're finding that if they can get people who are trying to recover from addiction or trauma out in the wilderness, um, they're able to unplug, they're able to reset, and their recovery is much higher. But they're very expensive, you know, and, and that, that leaves an opportunity that um, here we have lots of capacity, uh, the, the, the existing infrastructure in place. So one of the things we've been talking about, and we've had some really good response from practitioners who say, boy, we'd like to take a, a group of, of adolescents who are struggling with some form of addiction. They come together in group therapy, but they'll usually meet in some upstairs of a, of a room, you know, of, of a building somewhere, and, um, you know, with white paint and, and some chairs and... and but imagine if we could get them out into the out in the wilderness, and, um, and and give that opportunity to unplug, to experience the beauties of nature. Now, that that's sort of what we've been exploring, and there's some power there. I think that there's a tremendous opportunity. Just if you look at the standard operation of a Boy Scout unit, they have a weekly meeting where you can disguise the game of the meeting into some a practitioner professional practitioner could do a really good job yes of of weaving in a program to help them in whatever ailment that they may be suffering from yeah now add to that weekly meeting a monthly retreat for 24 to 48 hours where they're actually camping in the outdoors in an in a not normal situation to where they can uh, be a little more vulnerable to change. We find that that works really good in a standard Boy Scout application. You get any youth out in a circumstance where they they have to be a little more vulnerable because they're a little nervous, they're not exactly comfortable, it's not home, it's not school, it's not church, but it puts them in a situation where they um, have to let some of their guard down and allow them to open up that retreat opportunity. And that's a once a month thing. Well, and then yeah. the summer, you've got a full week retreat that applies the same thing where you can still disguise a lot of your activity as a game. So I'm, I'm thinking back to our alternative high school in Provo. I served on school board for 12 years. And that alternative high school has some kids that struggle with a lot of things. Um, the principal would, on purpose, once every six to eight weeks, take the kids to Maple Dell. They'd cross-country ski, they'd snowshoe, wow. they'd hike. But 
because Maple Dell has resources like that new activity pavilion and other places to get out of the cold, they can also do, I mean, if they have to, some classroom kinds of things, but get right back outdoors. It's just really amazing. Now, you said something a minute ago, and I want to be sure that the audience is clear on this. You used the word adolescent. And I want you to know that in 1984, I took my first group of LDS girls backpacking at the Beaver High Venture Base. And that camp, for every two boys we've served, has served three girls over wow. its 40-year history. We I have no idea. activity day girls that are Cub Scout age at Camp Jeremiah Johnson. We have LDS State Girls Camp, Aaronic Priesthood Camps, youth conferences. So we might be called the Boy Scouts of America, but we've been serving youth of all ages and whole families, haven't we, Dave? For a long Dave? time. For a long time. And with some of the new changes coming in the Boy Scouts, um, a practitioner could take a group of boys and girls between kindergarten and 21 wow. into the woods yeah, and get them to And the to nice thing is the Boy Scouts provide structure so that they can get, they can get meals uh, if needed. They, can, they, they have you know, guides to uh, some of the COPE courses and, 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 and staff High ropes, climbing, trained, repelling, mountain know. biking, river and, and, running. And there's, you know, as, as members of the Boy Scouts, you've got insurance coverage. There's a lot of things that... There is. So I want to point to the Boys of Scouting for just a minute. Yeah. You can... Now this is the national blog that has 270,000 readers. It's been going on how many years now? Oh, at least five, maybe a little longer. Yeah. Probably getting close to seven now. Wow. So I just published an article. I'm so excited to share this about the research. So you're talking about the physical structure of scouting. I want to talk about scouting's methods. Yes. So in the UK, two years ago, they completed a study of adults fact, at I age think 50. I have that. These adults, they studied their mental health in comparison to a disaggregated cohort of 50-year-olds. So people who had the same kind of socioeconomic background as kids and now, and they compared them, and the adults who had participated in scouting, and this study was more than 9,000 people, so this is a significant number. The study showed that people who had participated in scouting had greater resilience by 18% wow. over their counterparts. And the study decided to look at this. They thought it might just be the so, outdoors. So this is the Telegraph, the UK Telegraph newspaper that highlighted it. Is this the study here? Uh-huh. They. This is okay. where they ever, that's the actual study called Being Prepared. And uh, guides are what the girls program is called okay. in the BSA 50 years ago. I mean, in, UK. well, it's called the BSA there too. It's called yeah. the Boy Scout Association. So um, boys are the scouts and the guides are the girls 50 okay. years ago. Now they're co-ed. They've been quite a long time. So, um, this is a really important study, and what it says is that being outdoors in a group trained by an adult that steps away and lets the group solve problems and lead, leads to that resilience. So it's being outdoors where there's what Dr. Smalley said, the inevitable stress and tension of outdoor yes. living, the rainstorm, They become the mentally food. toughened. They do. So let's just take an example of one of these ranches. If they decided they wanted what we would call an after-school program for venture age, that's, are they 13 and a half? Four, yeah, 13 and a half. So 13 and a half, ninth grade-ish, kind of yeah. all the way up to 21. That's going to be most of the kids they're serving. 
All those resources of the council are just standard to that unit. So they could register a scout group and have all the structural benefits of our leadership development. Now, our council's known for this. Our Timberline program is no one does this kind of training. Do you have any idea how many kids went through it last year? And it's co-ed. Well, we did uh, 37 courses. Wow. So and these are week-long junior leader training courses that help give an opportunity for kids to learn come leadership. back and learn leadership. Well, well the other thing that I think is really important, the Boy Scouts are famous for doing what we call patrol method. Yes. A patrol is just a learning laboratory of six to eight youth together in the same group. And in the Boy Scout program, in Scouts BSA, we separate girls in a patrol and boys in a patrol to where they can have same gender education and opportunities that way. And I think that it's important for people that that is a really magical size and a magical group for a practitioner to have a large effect individually on each uh, youth in those groups. That patrol method is personified in our junior leader training courses because those training courses are designed to put kids in that size of a group, give them youth leadership. They rotate that leadership so every youth gets an opportunity to practice those leadership skills that they're taught. And over a week's time, they have that experience. And on top of that, we have 1,800 youth staff. Wow that have an opportunity to um, teach those skills. So it's not just go to a course and learn. You also can come back and teach. Wow. So let's be clear what we're talking about here, everybody. So the Utah Nas National Parks Council of the Boy Scouts, 13 camps, 80-something uh, thousand young people currently, 40-something thousand Adults. Uh, adult volunteers, um, an incredible paid staff that provides this structure. They are opening up and uh, the opportunity for mental health practitioners to form community-based varsity or venturing crews, if or necessary. Scout, or scouts, scouts, or, or Cubs, even. Or Cub Scout packs. Yeah. They're, they're opening up these opportunities for community-based around specific themes where this group of young people who right now their, their practitioner methods entail group therapy, getting together. So they're going to get together and, and the opportunity is now to, to use the scout facilities, the venues, the resources, the infrastructure, the curriculum, blended with the curriculum provided by these practitioners. And now we have sort of a new niche in the market where wilderness programs can be used for outpatient um, and for treatment of addiction and mental health challenges. It took me a while to say it, but that's, I think, what we're talking about here. It's a whole new kind of approach, and the research is bearing out that, that there is some real peer-based yes, benefits. benefits being received from being in the outdoors. Now, can you go to yep, his book? There's an amazing book that both Dave and... And Daryl and myself have been talking about called Last Child in the Woods. Let's talk about that. So uh, Richard Louvre, who, who wrote the book, um, wrote it on the heels of Rachel Carson. So when I was studying outdoor education and 
by the way, I met my wife in a class called Teaching in the Out of Doors. Oh, so, there you go. Uh, camping has been part of our life for a long, long time. Rachel Carson was kind of the first writer to do this, but he's quite amplified it. But if you read his book, The Introduction is My Childhood, I was astonished. So he's complaining about what he calls nature deficit disorder. It, it just means kids today are cheated. So let's talk about this. So think about both of your grandparents. They probably raised their food, yeah. slaughtered their own animals. Yeah. So they understood the cycle of life. Um, I grew up in a subdivision, uh, but it was brand new. So there was cows behind me and horse pasture my whole life. And we'd go play. We'd get in trouble with the farmer because yep, we'd yep. smash down his, his alfalfa. But we played outdoors. That was something we did. And even in that generation, inner city kids were sent outdoors to play. But beginning in the mid-1960s, nature became too threatening for many parents. And so if you think of sending a kid to camp now, it's a fat camp, or it's a sports camp, or it's a computer science camp, but it's not just to go on outdoor adventure. One of my favorite things was at our camp, Thunder Ridge, these two boys came walking up the trail just covered with mud. And I was just grinning because I could tell they'd had fun. And the scout leader walked up to him and says, where have you boys been? And they said, well, we've been down playing. They've been discovering in the out of doors. Sure. And the scoutmaster says, you get up to that shower and wash off. You need to be at merit badge class. And I was like, oh, let them play. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of what's happened with adults is that they are afraid to let the kids get dirty and experience things. Now, this is interesting. Richard sounds like he's quoting Baden-Powell, the man who started scouting. He was terrified at what he saw in 1895 with unprepared men who had grown up in the city and never been away from home in the woods. And his response was to challenge the Boys Brigade to develop some kind of program, which they turned on him and said, you do it. And he did it based on Seton's book, and when Richard wrote his book, he reflected on all the things he learned from Seton's book, making forts and huts That's behind the house. Didn't yeah. you make a fort? Absolutely. Didn't you? Absolutely. See, and I wonder if kids can do that today. Kids in my house can, because I live along the river and I have land and, and they can play, and I love that. But not many kids can do that. In fact, in my lifetime, I watched the places I camped at as a boy become subdivisions, if Boy Scouts hadn't set aside land, there would be no place to play. That's amazing. You know, it, it's, it's been really interesting as we've been um, communicating with some of the larger treatment centers, getting ready for Eternal Core. Um, we've been floating this idea. And, you know, I have to tell you, there were, there were two, two uh, co-founders. They currently run a, a very large treatment center who are you know pretty young, they grew up in scouting and they were reminiscing as we were talking about this. We were there for two and a half hours talking about this very idea and they were saying some of the most powerful, spiritual, expanding experiences of their lifetimes were on scout camps. You know, that, that week-long process has this crescendo on a Friday night where it changes the souls of, of young people. And, and that, they, they were saying, Ken, this is amazing. This is the kind of thing that, that we could be folding into our treatment now. We've just never, there's been too much overhead for them to think of doing it. But now this is what 
scouts have done for 100 plus years. Yep, we have. The other thing that I get excited about is the fact that um, I, I like to use the example of a 50 miler and the opportunity that a 50 miler gives to a youth to be able to... This, by the way, folks, is a 50 mile hike. And you don't do it in a day, and you carry all your it's food. It's a week-long bag and a week, trip. Your sleeping uh, bag. I and made your it tent. 47 miles, but it was in the Wind River, so I had a handicap that counted double, I think. <laughs> so mine was 58 miles the first time I did it, and I had, I thought I was fit. I was running marathons. It's a different experience, Dave, to walk 50 miles with everything on your back. And and the beauty of it is, is you take a youth that's 13 or 14 years old. And they, they really believe, in most cases, that they're ready to ta take on the world and not have any problem with ta tackling anything. But then at the same time, um, they have no idea what that looks like. Yeah. So you get them on that first ridge and hiking up, they, they wonder what they got themselves into. By the second day, they wonder if they're going to die. Uh -huh. But by the third day, they realize they've, they're conquering something that they couldn't have done any yes. other way. They learn how to do hard things. Not and only they are four or five, they're like supermen. Yeah. It's amazing it's, what it's happens. It's a life-changing experience, and, and the challenge is finding people who will do these kind of experiences with your children. And that's the beauty of scouting, is, is scouting is full of people yes. who love to provide those kind of experiences Well, for we children. ran the numbers. Department of Professional Licensing says there's 11,000 700 uh, licensed mental health practitioners in the state of Utah in their database. You've got 42,000 leaders just south of Salt Lake. There's got to be several thousand that if we connected the dots between those who, people. who are licensed and those who have been involved in scouting. And That's they true. know the ropes already. And the opportunities now available. You know, we're hearing... In, in, um, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, in other religions around the United States, uh, we're losing 57.8% of our millennial generation. And the Gen Zs are having similar challenges. And we're losing them from religion, from that organized structure, but we just met with Colin Karchner yesterday who's spending all of his time with them, and they're, and they're saying... You know, we're not sure we're even happy with this connection we have to a smartphone. And we're not sure the identity and the image that social media is giving us. And we're depressed all the time. We love playing video games, but why is it we're depressed all the time? And, and vaping, you know, a, a single dose of, of, of one container of vape has the equivalent of 20 cigarettes. And we don't know the results of, of these, of these <coughs> concerns. But the research is showing, the opportunities are showing that, that the outdoors, that moving from the world back to the earth has some incredible, incredible benefits. Now, we're about out of time, but um, the Utah National Parks Council and their wilderness program will be represented as part of Eternal Core, um, part of the, the, the launch on March 29th and 30th. There's been a new structure come about with these pavilions, these new buildings and the new strategies within your scout camps that are, that are open to many different kinds of audiences. Do you mind taking a minute and talking about okay. what, what that brings to our practitioners and to this problem that we face? We've changed how our infrastructure is at our camps. Typically in a Boy Scout camp, you have a big lodge 
where everybody comes to eat. And if you book that lodge, not much else can happen in that camp. Yeah, you're done. The camp's uh, the camp focused is, on one group. Uh, yeah, focused on one group. We've now, instead of building one big lodge, we build four or five smaller lodges that accommodate um, different sizes of groups so that um, we have a lot more capacity on one side, but the capacity can be diversified. So gotcha. instead of having just Boy Scout camp happening at camp, we can have Boy Scouts over here. We can have uh, a family reunion over there. We can have a church group over here. We can have a mental health practitioner with a group of youth over there. All and, at the same and time. All at the same time. Gotcha. And so it, it helps us to be able to accommodate a lot more people that are a lot more diverse in what they want to accomplish in their, in their so outcomes. Having worked at a couple of these pavilions, I just want to reassure anyone, if you're worried about the ability for, for food service, these are, they have commercial kitchens in them. That's amazing. And you can prepare, I have prepared meals for 200, 250 people out of them. Um, some of our kitchens are much bigger than that. But one of the blessings of camping is for them to serve, to come in and do the dishes and to help with the cooking. And they can really grow from this experience. These pavilions have really made our properties more versatile. Makes sense. So, so th that's, that's really what we're proposing. This is a very powerful um, opportunity. Again, so you've got, you've got residential treatment centers, you know, four to six to $8,000 a month requires insurance or some pretty well-to-do family behind the scenes. You've got wilderness programs still fairly pricey, but you've also got these outpatient and these individual practitioners or group practitioners who people, uh, you know, adolescents or families come in and say, hey, my kid just need a little bit of help or I just need a little bit of help. We can now blend a whole new wilderness-based therapy model with the structure that scouting provides and um, it's available right now. I mean, now, we've got to marry the resources together, but, but I, I, think, I think even this summer we can be trying it. Well, in a absolutely. Of, Our community in, in Eternal Core is happy to facilitate that yes. marriage in yes. every way possible. I, I That's why we're for, doing this today. <laughs> you heard I worked for Dave the last few years before I retired and now with Ken at Mobilize. But you need to know that that's how I spend my time, is helping customize outdoor programs for people. I studied outdoor education. It's what I'm yes. about. We want to help you be able to accomplish what you want to with your youth and children at camps that the Utah National Parks Council owns. Both of you have been adult scouters. Do you feel like you've had any specific benefit oh, heavens, yeah. for you just personally, your mental health, your well-being, like on that 50-miler? Weren't you a grown-up? Absolutely. And did you benefit from it? I, th I think that adults benefit every much as the youth do. And, and the greatest thing is, is that um, you learn how to raise your kids by being an adult scout leader in scouting. So, and you? You went to the Absolutely. National Jamboree. In fact, been to the Jamborees. My favorite experience in scouting by far was a program called Wood Badge. And Wood Badge is a week-long opportunity now, how many wood badge courses a year go on in this council? Well, just a couple of years ago, we had 15 wood badge courses, which is about as much as the rest of the Western United States Whoa. put together. So, um, but it, that's a chance for adults, yeah, and for for programs who might want to utilize these resources to go into a facility 
up at a scout camp for a full week. So later today at eternalcore.org, I'm going to publish an article about how the outdoors benefits your mental health as a grown-up, not as a child. So one of the things, I mean, neither of you have probably thought about this, a short sleeve shirt, no hat, in the sun for 15 minutes, you mitigate all the pain of the day by Whoa. natural vitamin D. You can drink all the milk in the world or take all the supplements you want. You'll never get the same reaction for pain mitigation than 15 minutes in the sun. Wow. Now think about that. Not to mention what's happening to your senses. I hiked through the redwoods. The smell, the musky smell, will never leave my memory. I hiked with a group of scouts on Astatique Island. It's like 27 miles long. A lunar eclipse. And the kids were all out swimming during the eclipse. And the jellyfish came in and stung them. And I thought, wow, what a life lesson. But I had the same kind of lesson. Walking on a sandy beach, 27 miles, with one leg higher than the other, taught me I still didn't know how to do hard things. Because there are hard things a many to do in yes, the out of doors. Yes. But every time you overcome them, you get this new mental toughness that teaches you you can deal with whatever life's going to serve up. I well, think it's more than just mental. I think there's some physical changes you do when, when your mind believes you can accomplish it and you see that happen, yes. the, it's, there's, there's just things that happen to you in your heart and in your mind and in your soul that gives you confidence. Well, Daryl, you've been telling me about um, one, of the, one of the bloggers there at Utah National Parks has just researched and written an article about the power of the outdoors and camping on couples, especially newly married couples. Yeah, she talked about her own honeymoon being... Uh, she thought she and her husband knew each other, but then they went camping. And like I said, this Dr. Smalley, who is a marriage and family therapist, says, go camping. You're going to learn a lot about each other, and you're going to bond from it. She said she'd trade, never trade it for a fancy trip. It was the best thing that ever happened. And that's going to be true, be true for nearly everyone. But do you remember I just recently wrote or read a book called The Aging Brain? And I did a yes, book review yes. on it. Anyone can pick up that book. If and they, it'll be out on the Eternal Core blog. Yeah, if you just log on to eternalcore.org and type in Aging Brain, you'll find my book review and the story of Dr. Jennings. So one of the things he says is that every day you should earth, I'm going to explain what that is, and have fresh air for 10 to 15 minutes. So earthing is something that feels a little bit new age, but I've been doing it for a year now, even in the winter when I can, when I can tolerate it. And that is to have your bare feet on the ground or yes. your hands in the soil for 15 minutes. Dave, how many hours of your youth did you have hands in the soil? I was always <laughs> covered in soil. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a technology from a company called Beamer um, that I'm familiar with that, that NASA, in the research that the astronauts had, they found that there's a pulse that the Earth actually gives forth that our bodies tend to align with and it provides great healing. And when they took astronauts out into space, that pulse was no longer available. They had to try and mimic that pulse. There's really something to this. So that magnetic pulse is one of the benefits of being outdoors. But another one for sure is what happens to your brain. The EPA recently did a study that said indoor air is less healthy for you than the most polluted day outdoors. Now, that's the first time I'd ever seen that. That's scary. And that <laughs> scared me because I thought, oh my gosh, I've been cooped up all winter. 
but 15 minutes in fresh air just tells your brain you're still alive and it produces near, new neurons and cells. Wow. I mean, the brain replaces itself a lot. It's consuming most of the body's energy. So when you're, uh, when you're feeding it oxygen and the right foods, and I list a whole bunch of things you should do, 10 of them in fact, a little cheat sheet you can download from, yes. from there that we hope everyone can get. But I'm an advocate for being outdoors and well, you'll find that say, we can heal there. I am thrilled I live in central Utah now, and I commute up here to Utah Valley a couple days a week, but I'm thrilled and amazed when, well, I'm thrilled when I actually, I hate to say it, leave the valley and the smog behind, and I, and I drive back, and I can breathe and see clear across the valley again in San Pete County, and I can look up, and I can see the stars, and, and, and I'm a little bit concerned when I'm driving back into the valley, and I can see this soup <laughs> that's just settled over, and I see the mountains poking up, and we're living in that. We're breathing that. And I remember that. But I want to ask you a question. Do you get your hands dirty there? I do. So last Saturday, I planted peas in my yard. Well, and we're starting people, our garden right you know, now. People said it's too early. <laughs> I said, no, the first day of spring is coming. And peas should be poking up just about then. But when I walked in, my wife said, what are you smiling about? And I said that my hands have been in the dirt for the last yes. half hour. And she said, can you move them? And I said... Those arthritic fingers can't plant another pea, <laughs> but my heart and brain are as happy as you can make them. <laughs> By the way, you know what the difference between a farmer and a gentleman farmer is? I have no idea for sure. <laughs> a gentleman farmer washes their tractor when they're done. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave Pack, Chief Executive for the National Parks Council, thanks for being with us Thank today. Thank you for You're going to hear me. a lot. You're going to see them at Eternal Core. Uh, we're gearing up. we got a uh, little bit of time yet, but not much. So thanks for joining us today, Dave. Thank you.